So you're telling me I go first. Okay. All right. Welcome back. Hey, y'all. I just found out some very important information oh that I God, need to I share with every single one of you. Go for it. The word canal, as in canal, like Grand Canal, in the Pan Panama, Panama Canal. Fuck off. <laughs> is just Spanish for ch channel. Yeah. Because I just saw in the news, some dude, he was a canal de YouTube, mm -hmm. which means he has his, his own YouTube channel. Yeah. And I know this now. Yep. Mind fucking blown. Yeah. Welcome yeah, back to Weekly was, Creep. His mind was blown. <laughs> yeah. Patron of the week this week goes out to... Claudia, Claudia, thank you for being such a major supporter of our show. Yeah. Thank you for being an elite creep. Yep. Yo, thank you. I think that's it. I don't think we have any other messages this week. Yeah, no housekeeping. And I know that everybody likes when we just stop the bullshit and tell fucking stories. Yeah, so guess what? That's what we're going to fucking do. Yeah. So hold on to your panties. Um, and if you got pants on, the fuck are you doing? Take off those pants and take relax. Off your, take off those pants so I can insult you about not having pants. You <laughs> pantless having bitch. <laughs> no pants, bitch. No pants having bitch. All right. So this week. Oh, actually, one thing I do want to say. Fucking hell. Sorry. Uh, there was a comment on one of our YouTube videos the other day saying that uh, y'all need some Dulce merch that says, you know what I'm saying? And <laughs> <laughs> an Adam merch that says, fucking hell. <laughs> Sometimes I say that. And watch like you're in the back. You're going to be, you're going to be off. On some fucking day that I'm at work making a, you know what I'm saying? Compilation. <laughs> <laughs> and you're going to be like, you don't say it sometimes. <laughs> yeah. I am a busy man. I have laundry to wash. I don't know if I can be doing all that. You got a puss to wash. <laughs> all right. So this week, I decided to kick it old school with you guys. You know what I'm saying? Ah, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> um, why do I have to be such a fucking tool? <laughs> um, it's funny though. I must not even hear you when you say it. <laughs> uh, I remember... No, but it's funny that he mentions that because I remember one time I was... Uh, doing a presentation at work for some shit and for i was some shit <laughs> <laughs> and i was doing it so like this group of people were it wasn't like a formal setting it was yeah. more like a classroom setting like a training situation and i was giving this presentation and after everybody's presentation, they were supposed to give you feedback on some of the things that you did that you can improve on, like uh, mannerisms, the things that you say, your hands, blah, blah, blah. Um, and that was one of the feedback <laughs> things that I got was that I say that a lot. A lot. <laughs> All right. Now we know. Yeah. So tell us about this story. Jesus Christ. It's like you're hiding a frog in your pants. <laughs> All right, so I found a book um, on Kindle, and it's a collection of ghost stories from Russia. It, this guy uh, basically was saying, like, he didn't mean to be looking for this, but he noticed, because he was, like, writing, because he's a journalist, he was writing yeah. on a different topic, and he was having conversations with different people, interviewing them, blah, 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 uh, about whatever it was that he was writing about at the time. And he 
a lot of those people that he was talking to shared ghost stories with him like their own personal encounters of just weird shit right yeah and he was like he's like these stories are so fucking crazy like i gotta i gotta write about them down yeah so that's what he did um and english is not his first language okay so there's a lot of like translation situations some strange phrasing kind of thing yeah and uh but if you want to check out the book, it's free on kin- oh, cool. it, it's free on Kindle. It's called well, on the top of the, like the front page says warning dangerous for mind exclamation dangerous point. For mind. <laughs> yeah, exclamation point exclamation point. A hundred percent true paranormal stories from Russia. Right that, on. That's what it's called. By Fedor Fadiv. Fedorfadiv? Yeah. So the first story in the book is called The Ghost Legacy. Okay. It's about a woman named Julia. And basically he was, you know, talking to her, this and that. Uh, But before I get into the story, the beginning of the book starts off with, remember, nobody made you read it. (laughs) (laughs) It is a terrible book. Remember, nobody made you read this. Yeah. And the last, uh, basically, that's the beginning of the prologue. And at the ending of the prologue says, after reading it, do not say I did not warn you. Well, good luck and sleep well. <laughs> Your FF, basically. I guess even like your tru- yours truly. But anyway, so the first story is called The Ghost Legacy. Okay. Okay. So this is a story about a woman named Julia, as I said before, and her family. Julia had a mother, a father, and a big brother named Vlad who lived in an apartment in a five-story building on Lennon Street. When the family moved in, the building had only been built eight years before. Julia was just a baby in her mother's womb at this time. In this apartment, Vlad and Julia's parents each had their own rooms. Julia's father would go away on business frequently, so it was usually Vlad and his mother at the apartment alone. So... According to Julia's mom, things were fine when they all first moved in. You know, they love the apartment. They're like, yes, this is great for a small family. But her mom started to be started to feel inexplicably uneasy as the days went on. She even called the lady who sold them the apartment to ask if anything out of the ordinary happened in the apartment before they moved in. The landlady, or realtor, assured Julia's mother that everything was fine and nothing noteworthy ever occurred in her apartment building. But this did nothing to ease Julia's mom's mind. So whenever her husband was away, she called um, her own mother to come stay with her. So this became a pattern. Whenever her husband left, she would call on her mom, be like, hey, mom, come and stay with me. And she would. Right. Soon, though, Vlad began having awful nightmares that would send him running to his mother's room. He told his mother that he dreamt about seeing an awful old woman covered in cuts, like on her face and everywhere. Jesus. Just sitting on the foot of his bed. His mother chalked it up to you know overactive little boy's imagination but began to take it very seriously once he stopped sleeping at night altogether oh fuck he'd even begun to develop a nervous twitch in his foot like he was slowly deteriorating yeah yeah, yeah. like his nervous system and all this stuff started deteriorating jesus christ because he wasn't sleeping yeah 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 so Actually, sorry, real quick. What like when you picture a scary old lady in your head, is it always the same old lady? No. No. In my head, it's either the witch from Snow White, like the original Snow White mm. and the Seven Dwarfs, or the old lady from The Shining. If we're talking about, well, first of all, I don't really think about old ladies. But <laughs> no, the last specifically time, <laughs> in this situation. But the last time that I think about old, the last time I thought about old ladies, I thought about 
the old lady from The Simpsons with the cats. Oh, yeah. I don't know. That one from Snow White fucked me up. Anyway. Also, I completely forgot that Marge's sisters have an iguana named Jub-Jub. Jub-Jub. I completely yeah. forgot about that. Anyways. <laughs> Back to the story. Yeah. Where was I? Mm. The Twitch. <laughs> so, after, you know, after she had noticed that he had a nervous twitch in his foot, his mom decided to take him to psychiatrist, which seemed to help some. He was able to sleep after that, but he still dreamt about the old woman. To ease his mind, she switched rooms with Vlad. So now her and her husband slept in Vlad's room. Vlad slept in the parents' old room. Okay. Okay. All right. At this point, Julia's mom, again, the person who's telling the story, was about seven months pregnant. And little baby Julia was not letting her mom sleep much on account of all the kicking that she was doing in the belly. On one particular night, while Julia's father was away for work, the family's grandmother was in Vlad's room and she was struggling to go to sleep. Julia's mom. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to quote what the book said because this is what Julia's mom said. This is like the what the weird shit that went down after all the stuff leading up to it. This is like fight night. Oh, okay. It was a seven month of pregnancy. So I already pushed much inside and she could not fall asleep for a long time. Remember, this is a translation situation. So she didn't have much space in there is what she's trying to say. Okay. My father was in a business trip again and my grandmother was sleeping in Vlad's room. So my mother was alone in the night. And this is her story of that night. Quote, I am lying in the bed trying to fall asleep, but roll over as my waist hurts. You push me. So she's. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, you bitch, Julia, you push me. <laughs> <laughs> Still hasn't forgiven her. No. At last, I somehow fall asleep. In the middle of the night, I wake up because my hand is freezing. I open my eyes and want to stand up and close the window, but it is closed. It is getting colder and darker. I see some movement in the doorway and hope it is Vlad. I call him. No answer. I get nervous. The cold sweat flows over my face. I muffle into the blanket and just close my eyes. As I hear some movements near my bed, I open my eyes and I want to scream, but I can't. As everything is pressed inside, I see a terrible ghost of an ugly old woman dressed up in a dirty robe with the tussled hair and her face is cut up with a knife. She stays looking at me with her eyes full of evil. At last, I manage to scream, and then I don't remember anything. After that, I find myself in bed with the lights on and my mother sitting on my bed and asking what happened, and I tell her everything. So that's what happened to Julia's mom. And that's in the same room that Vlad was having these experiences and throughout these nightmares. Mm Mm-hmm. So at this point, um, selling their apartment and moving was not a viable option for them because at this time, according to Julia's mother, the market for selling apartments was just not ideal. So both um, Julia's mom and Vlad lived in fear while the father was just oblivious to it all (laughs) because he himself never experienced anything out of the ordinary himself. Right. He actually thought that Julia's mother was just feeding into Vlad's imagination, like sort of getting influenced by it. Mm. Finally, Julia was born, and the family busied themselves with the care of a newborn. Why did no one come and cleanse or bless the house? In Soviet times, people were atheists, mostly, and going to a priest was just not a thing in, in Russia, that, I guess, at that day and age. Well, it wasn't allowed. And I remember we touched on it briefly in the Irina Kornichi case mm. that uh, until like 1990 or something, religion oh. was just not allowed. Oh, okay. Yeah. So one day, Julia's mom was with baby Julia in Vlad's room. The father was at work 
and Vlad was at school. Julia was asleep on Vlad's bed and her mother was in the armchair, in an armchair in the same room. Her mother heard a noise in the hallway, like the rustling of a mouse running across the floor or a possum or an armadillo. Take your pick. (laughs) Something small. I get it. She had assumed it was a neighbor moving around in their apartment, so she decided to ignore it. But she heard it again, and this time it was punctuated with a loud thump. That was so weird. Such good timing. Something just went outside. (laughs) So Julia's mom rose from her chair to go and see what fell, because it sounded like something fell. And she found that her handbag was on the floor in the hallway. And I don't need to tell you, you probably don't know much about purses, but you don't leave them out in the hallway. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) On the floor. Like in the communal hallway, is that what she means? No, like in the hallway in her little apartment. Oh, okay. okay. Mm -hmm. So something made her look into her own room. She got a feeling. She was like, I should check in my room. Yeah. And she did, and she saw something that she could not explain to this day, according to Julia. She saw a large black cat without a snout. The body of the cat had bits of flesh missing from its body, exposing its internal organs. The cat sat on a bed of worms on the bed. Like, on her bed. What the fuck? And the cat was alive. So, like, imagine, like, a zombie cat sitting on a bed of worms on her bed. And next to the cat was an old woman with open gashes on her face, laughing loudly and menacingly. The mother ran and snatched baby Julia from her slumber and left the apartment with only the clothes on her back and the house slippers on her feet. She went to a neighbor's to wait for her husband to come home. When they all entered the apartment, there was no sign of what she had just seen. The next day, Julia's father died from a heart attack as he lay in the bed where Julia's mother only hours before had seen the old woman. Julia's father was only 37 years old. Jesus Christ. (laughs) After the father's death, the family did not return to the apartment. They moved in with Julia's grandparents. And shortly after that, Julia's mother successfully sold the apartment. Five years later, the woman who sold the apartment to Julia's mother told her there was a couple who lived in that apartment before they did. She said that the wife was an angry and vile woman and her husband was a violent alcoholic. One day, he got drunk, picked up a knife, and cut up his wife's face and killed her. The husband died the next day from drinking bootleg vodka. Both of their bodies lay in the apartment for two weeks before they were discovered. Fucking hell. Yeah. That's one heckin' hell of a story. Yeah. So, that's story number one. (laughs) Okay. All right. And the next one, um, I'm going to read, like, from the book. I wonder what the cat had to do with it. I don't know. Maybe they, I don't know. Yeah, that's fucked up though. I mean, I feel like if it wants to scare the shit out of you, they'll pull out all the stops. Just like Beetlejuice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's exactly actually what I was thinking. So my next story is called The Destiny. Okay. As from the same book? Yeah. Okay. This one's fucking wild. So crazy. (laughs) Like shit goes down in Russia. Like no lie. I would like to tell you one mysterious story, which happened to my best friend, Masha. We are like sisters to each other. That is why I took it so emotionally, like it all happened to myself. 
This story took place last year. We both were 22, and that was our graduation year in the university. All the exams were passed. We graduated with distinction, thanks to Masha. She always helped me with subjects and motivated me. You know, her parents are rich, and they love her so much that they always pamper her and let her do whatever she wants. Other rich kids in Moscow would be spoiled kids for sure, but not my Masha. She always takes everything with gratitude, no matter how much people are able to give her, and she is always ready to help people. I assure she will do everything she can and even more, and besides, she is very pretty. So as you guess, everybody liked her in the university, and I was always proud that she was my best friend. So that was the prettiest summer in my life. Studies were finished, we were going to get down to work only in autumn, so that was relaxed time. We were going to European seaside in two weeks, and now it was a shopping period. Everything was perfect until the strange events began to occur in Masha's life. She already lived alone in her own flat, it was a father's graduation present, and one day she phoned me with a very nervous voice and asked me to come to her place as fast as I could. When I came to her, she took me to her bedroom and showed me her pillow. I saw a curl of a long black hair that was dirty and oily. And maybe it could be nothing strange, but by that moment, Masha had not let anybody in her flat except me. And we were both blonde. I tried to calm her down, telling her that the day before we had been to the nightclub where people danced very closely to each other, so that could be somebody else's hair that stuck to her. Honestly, I didn't even believe it myself, but Masha decided that could be a reasonable explanation and we went out to enjoy another summer day. When she took me home in the evening and left for her place, it was already dark outside and it was about midnight. When Masha entered her apartment, she was really tired and decided to take a relaxing bath before going to sleep. Sitting in her bed and enjoying the process, she closed her eyes and napped for several minutes. Then she opened her eyes and saw her. Wild terror. She looked like she was just from the grave. White. Some parts of her body were putrefied. Her black hair was long and dirty. Her awful pajamas were full of blood spots. She immediately pushed Masha underwater and Masha opened her eyes again. She was sitting in the bath and nobody else was there. She understood it was a terrible nightmare and decided to go to bed. Masha stood up to get out of the bath and, oh no, her hair was wet. Water in the bath was dirty, black hair, and water footprints on the floor leading to the kitchen. Masha's heart started beating at full capacity and she started to shake. Very slowly, she moved to her bedroom, which had the opposite way to the kitchen. She put on some clothes she found, sat on her bed, and tried to find her cell phone very quietly. She found it uncharged, although it was half-charged when she came home. Suddenly, she heard some murmur from the kitchen. Masha almost screamed, but shut her mouth with her hands. She understood that it was in the kitchen. She heard sounds like somebody sharpening knives. Then all the sounds ceased. This silence frightened even more. All at once, the only light on in the bathroom turned off. The slow steps began to sound from the other part of the apartment. They got closer and closer. The next action shocked her completely. It was a cold whisper of the death. I am closer than you think. You cannot hide. At that moment, the doorbell sounded and Masha heard my voice. Masha, it's me. Are you okay? 
I'm coming, she shouted, ran to the door and opened so fast. When I saw her, her face was full of fear. She clung to me and started crying. I felt some anxiety and my fears were justified. I took her to my home where she told me everything. Then somehow we fell asleep. In the morning, we came to Masha's parents and told them everything. Her father said she would not spend another minute in that flat alone anymore, and he would sell it as fast as possible. He took us both and we went there to take her stuff away. Everything was quiet and nobody was there. We packed everything and went to the car. In the street, Masha found out that she forgot her cell phone in the flat and asked us to wait for her for a couple of minutes. We were waiting for 10 minutes when we returned to the apartment, Masha was dead. She was lying on the floor in the kitchen with a knife in her heart. Her eyes were open, her face was full of fear, and her hair was gray. There was a note on the floor written in her blood, you will be next. Of course, we didn't know who these words were about. A year passed from that terrible day. I'm writing this story now for you to know the full version. I'm running out of time, so I'll just say a couple of things more. In some parts of the story, I've written about Masha in present tense, because she's always alive in my heart. More than that, I think I will see her someday, maybe even sooner. Another thing I wanted to say, now I know for sure who that note was addressed to, because... I already hear the sounds of slow footsteps in the kitchen. That sounds like some mad Russian creepy pasta. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you mad? No, I'm not mad. It had me enthralled. Yeah, that one, like, I was like, oh my God, it's such a good story. <laughs> like, I'm going to read it like this. I don't want to paraphrase it like the other one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's some crazy shit. Yeah, so... There you go. There's some ghost stories for you. <laughs> right on. But, you know, like reading that book reminded me of that one nukes top five of that guy who was in Russia that investigated those um, that one haunted house that nobody wanted to live in with that accordion playing on its own. Yeah. Yeah. That shit was wild. I'm telling you, man, she goes down to Russia. <laughs> yeah, I'm not arguing with you, but. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, this week on our um, on our Patreon episode, our extra creep, which you can get for five dollars a month on max level tier, or ten dollars a month with the pork chop level tier. Correct. Anyway, um, I put together a collection of like what I thought were like creepy black eyed kids stories, and the reason why I went down there was because it was on this website, Week in Weird, which is run by Greg and Dana Newkirk of Hellier Fame. This is actually where they got started. Anyway, and I went down this kind of uh, little rabbit hole and I was pleasantly surprised with what I found. So today we are going to talk about Lee Woods in beautiful Bristol. I have been to Bristol before and the part of Bristol that I was in was not very nice. But what I found out today is that Bristol and Somerset are right beside each other. Okay. I don't know what direction, but as Bristol turns into Somerset, there's a river and it's like this beautiful scenic place. So I believe people know when they're talking about this. It was actually a totally random article that even got me on this subject. And I will be reading that later. Okay. But first, I thought I'd quickly look into the history of the woods. There have been people living in this area, particularly in the woods, uh, since the Iron Age. Fucking woods, man. Here we <laughs> oh, <yeah>. go. <laughs> Here we fucking go. People actually lived there for like 400 years. And then they seemed to like fuck off for a little while. And then they came back a little while later. Because of its its location was like naturally defensive. It was up on top of a hill. Perfectly like people couldn't creep up behind them. And they could see everyone coming in down the river. It was looking over a valley. And so it served as a huge fort. That's all. That's all I got. <laughs> I had a huge, I, I, I had a huge fort at work, and I thought nobody would notice, and nobody did. 
safe. Scared the shit out of me, though. <laughs> Not literally, but figuratively. No, but it, it was used as like a mine and stuff. Basically, I didn't find anything too exciting when I looked into the history of it. Okay. Now, I'm not going to lie. I didn't look like mad hard around. I just took a quick look. That's what she said. There have been a lot of bodies dumped there. And a lot of people actually go there to commit suicide. In the woods? Yeah. No shit. Like the suicide forest in Japan. Almost. So literally this week, police found the body of a woman in the woods and they the only thing i found out about it was that they said it didn't seem suspicious but that they were looking to reach out to her family members okay like obviously that's really sad right now i'm gonna tell you about one of the cases that i found and i want you to tell me who it reminds you of okay in terms of serial killers not like people that you might know (laughs) on a day-to-day oh lower your expectations i'm not that smart (laughs) go for it though so This story was published in the newspaper on December 26th, 1857. Okay. And I'm going to quote this this particular part of the thing just to put us in the mood. All right. To bring us back to the 1850s in like countryside England. All right. Put me in the mood. That's different. (laughs) (laughs) Picture Midsummer Murders. Yes. But mixed with Downton Abbey. I've never I've, seen Downton Abbey, but like of timey England, right? Okay. Fucking love it. Okay. Yeah. So this was a case which excited <laughs> the greatest interest. It being the trial of the prisoner for the murder of the poor woman in Lee Woods near Clifton in September last. Lee Woods are situated close to the River Avon, but on the opposite side of the village of Clifton. They are extremely beautiful and are the resort of all the pleasure-seekers of Bristol and Clifton. There is a particular valley there, called Nightingale Valley, which is one of the most lovely spots in all of England. And it is to this valley the mind of the reader must be directed. On the top of the hill is a rabbit warren. (laughs) Oh, fucking what? A rabbit warren, surrounded by the trees and underwood, and for the protection of the game, a gamekeeper is kept. Wow. <laughs> Who lives near the Warren? The gamekeeper's name is Worth. He is in the habit of walking all over this place daily. On the morning of the 10th of September, Worth went his rounds examining every part closely, but he saw nothing uncommon. He did not pass that way again until half past five in the afternoon. I'm losing this fucking boy. <laughs> he didn't pass go. He didn't collect $100. <laughs> he did not pass that way again until about until half past five in the afternoon. Okay. When, as he was looking about, he noticed a handkerchief on the ground, apparently saturated with blood. Mm. He then saw a pool of blood. A pool of blood. <laughs> what? <laughs> You can say it again. Say it again. (laughs) He then saw a pool of blood on the top of a precipice overlooking Nightingale Valley, partly covered with mold. He looked over the precipice, and about 12 feet below, in a kind of natural vault, he saw what appeared to him to be a woman. He descended the hill, and then he found it was the body of a woman, completely laid out the clothes being in perfect order. The body had not any shawl or bonnet on it. There was no blood about it. Worth instantly went and fetched a Polish man named Jones. A Polish man? (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) What did you say? Worth instantly went and fetched a policeman named Jones. Uh, Well, now I have to read it again. Well, fuck, I'm an idiot. I'm an asshole. Worth instantly went and fetched a policeman named Jones, and they then observed that the throat was cut and there was a hole in the temple. It was evident that a murder had been committed. So yeah, a murder had been committed. A murder? In the woods, you say? <laughs> Alright, so you want me to tell you how it sounds similar? No, no, no. I, I'm, that, that was just a very brief inter- introduction. Oh, okay. Of it is. So anyway... Just uh, in case 
people had to skip past my awful old timey English voice. They found this. The gatekeeper found this body in the woods. I just thought that that piece. The gatekeeper who they kept for gatekeeping. Yeah. I just thought that piece like really brought you back into the time of this. I Uh, saw everything in my head. Yeah, so did I. And mine was like a slightly smaller version of Hagrid. Oh. Because he was the keeper of gates. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Groundskeeper. I didn't. I said gatekeeper. I'm a fucking asshole. Anyways, continue. (laughs) No, it is gatekeeper. Oh. Okay. Word soon got out about this grisly discovery. And this, and pretty soon, this poor woman was identified as Charlotte Pugsley. Okay. Charlotte was a cook in the service of Mr. Bithersey. Right. Bithersey is actually spelled by the sea. Okay. But I looked it up and it's pronounced Bithersey. Okay. But what a fucking odd name anyway. Yeah. Mr. By the Sea. I'm with you. So once word got out about like the description of the body and all found... The rest of the servants who worked for Mr. Bittersey, like realized who it was and they verified her identity by the clothes that she was wearing. She had left the service of Mr. Bittersey on Wednesday, September 9th, when her lover, John Beale, came to pick her up. They had been in a kind of long distance relationship. He was working for a man named by the name of Captain Watkins in Daventry which today is about a two-hour drive from Bath, where Charlotte worked okay. for Mr. Bithersey. Charlotte had met John, I'm assuming, when he lives near Lee Woods, which isn't that far from Bath. But he had since moved to take up the job with Captain Watkins. So see what I mean when it sounds exactly like a Midsummer Murders thing? Yeah, it does. Shit goes down in Badger's Drift. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So Beale was there to whisk her away and take her to Southampton to get married. From there, they were going to catch the boat to America and live happily ever after. On September 6th, four days before her, her body was found, Beale requested a week off from work, telling Captain Watkins that his father was a builder and had fallen from scaffolding and broke his thighs. Strange, I know. How the fuck did he fall? I have no idea. He fell off scaffolding. Like uh, I'm sure the safety standards weren't up to scratch oh, yeah, back then. This was right. the story. Anyway, he said that when his dad had the fall, his sister got such a bad fright that she died. Oh wow! And so Beale needed a week off work to go and be with his dad. On Monday the seventh, Beale called into a tailor in Bristol, got measured up for a brand new coat, hmm. and the tailor noticed that Beale had a pistol in his breast pocket. Okay. Strange, but I guess this was more common back then. This is 170 years ago. Okay, yeah, yeah. He arrived at Mr. Bithersey's sometime around three in the afternoon on Wednesday to take Charlotte away. He told the other servants, which I'm pretty sure just meant like Charlotte's friends and colleagues, that Captain Watkins had let all of his staff go and he pissed off to India, which again was probably pretty common back then. Yeah. He even helped wrap up all of Charlotte's worldly possessions. Three boxes. Everything she owned in them. And the term they kept using was he corded them. Which. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. When they literally tie rope around them Mm -hmm. so that they can be moved all in one piece. Yeah. He then addressed them under his own name and had them sent to Bristol. When questioned about this, he just said that he had business to attend to in Bristol, so they would get the luggage sent there first, and, you know, they would meet it there. Mr. Bithersey's butler helped them to the train station and watched them go off together. The butler then waited back because apparently passengers and luggage went on separate trains back then. All right. So the butler put the luggage on the next train. They were seen waiting for the luggage at the station later that evening. When they picked out their three boxes, they were charged some strange amount of fucking made-up old-timey money. And Bill was pissed. I think he just didn't have enough or, like, didn't have change or something like that. I don't know. But they left and came back the next day, which is September 10th by now. They both came back the next morning around 10 a.m. 
I think Beal was still causing a fuss over the money, but he paid it anyway. He managed to separate from Charlotte for a minute. He was probably like, Don't worry, darling, I'm going to talk to this fine gentleman about manly things that a female just wouldn't be comfortable listening to. Yeah. Scrotums and the like. Right. Or just paying how much the fucking luggage is worth. Yes, I don't know. But while she was waiting for him, he instructed the train station worker to have the luggage moved to like a holding room in another nearby train station and told him that he had to go to Liverpool. Strange, but whatever. So later that day, around five o'clock, Beale and Charlotte were seen again. The guy who saw them saw them at the foot of the hill leading to the Warren. He knew 100% that it was her because he actually thought that it was his quote unquote sweetheart. Mm-hmm. So he got good and close thinking like, what the fuck is this bitch doing? With like someone behind else. Me. Yeah. yeah. When he realized that it wasn't, uh, it wasn't her at all. So anyway, another person then saw them at the top of the hill walking together in a quote, most affectionate manner. He had his arm around her waist and she had her head upon his shoulder. This last person to have seen them, like this literally would have been minutes hmm. before he slit her throat and shot her in the head. That's strange that he did both. So fucking weird. Yeah. And there was no blood on her body. So like I honestly, this whole thing baffles me. But there was only about 20 minutes between the last person seeing her, seeing them together, and the gatekeeper finding them, mm-hmm. finding her alone, dead. So, oh, so she was freshly dead when the gamekeeper... She literally would have still been warm. Oh, wow. That's what, that's how I'm like, how the fuck did this go down? How did he not down? hear the gunshot? How did he not hear the gunshot? How did Beale bleed her? Like a pig, literally. Yeah. Into a single spot, not get any blood on her clothes and get her like, well, fair enough, the 12 feet down, he could have just dropped her. Yeah. But then he would have gone back down there and like arranged her body so she was neatly placed. Yeah. The following day, Friday, Beale went to collect his new coat and informed the tailor that he had been having a glorious spree at Bath. On Saturday morning, He went and collected Charlotte's boxes from the train station and went back to Daventry that evening. Upon arrival at Captain Watkins' house, he told his colleagues that these were his deceased sister's possessions because, of course, he had been providing for his deceased sister, you know, making himself out to be a hero. Um, So it was only right that he should have all of her things now that she's dead from the fright of seeing her dad falling off of made-up scaffolding. On Monday morning, he gave a few of her things away, but like to a random... Like shoemaker's wife. Okay. And he was just like, oh, this is my sister's here. You can have it now. Anyway, once Charlotte had been identified, obviously, like he was suspect number one because he had been seen by the servants and all that. And when, when the police got to his room, they found all of her things, the keys to all of her things, like all her boxes had locks and he had the keys. Two pistols, which were both the same type. And it was verified that this type of pistol had been used to kill charlotte Mm -hmm. they also found in one of her boxes three brand new dresses because she had bought them to start her new married life like it's really fucking sad yeah that is sad it sounds like fritz Harmon. oh no i was thinking hh holmes Mm. so he had concocted concocted he had concocted all of these lies and committed this murder and i have no idea why they were both servants I can't imagine Charlotte had any money and he was like giving her stuff away anyway. I was I was thinking, oh, maybe he stole all the stuff to sell it. Now, he was married to another woman mm-hmm. and she lived near Captain Watkins' house. But again, if he was afraid of her finding out about Charlotte, like there were much simpler ways of going about this, like rather than weaving this like elaborate fucking trail of lies. Even if murder was the only answer he could have done it much easier way (laughs) like anyway he was hanged and buried in the prison graveyard after his lawyer tried to argue that the death had been one big accident 
The source for this story was the Cardiff and Murder Guardian, which I found on newspapers.library.wales. This story, because you mentioned there are simpler ways to go about this. Yeah. And why would he weave this unnecessary web of lies? When you said that, it reminded me of that Watts guy who killed his wife because for the same reasons that you just said, they were there were simpler things that he could have done. But with a lot of those guys that want to just kill off either their wives or the other woman, it just seems they're the first easiest solution is just to kill off whoever they want to get rid of. Yeah, and I get that. But like if that was the case, why not I don't fucking know, like That's... sneak up behind her one night and just kill her or get someone else to do it. Like you know what I mean? Anything. Like these people that she worked for didn't know who he was. Yeah. So like he didn't even have to be like he didn't even give them a fake name or anything. Yeah. You know? I just I don't know. The whole fucking thing was like completely unless like Chris Watts. Yeah. If, that's his name, Chris. Yeah, if everything was happened the way it happened, I can imagine that he panicked afterwards and came up with all these stories and like, oh, Shanann's just like, you know, on business or she left me or whatever. Yeah. In panic. This guy took a week off work, had three or four days before he even met her, had the pistol in his pocket the whole time. And still went on this, like, you know, lavish fucking spending spree and stuff like that, you know? Like, buying himself new clothes. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. It's just weird. That, like, he reminded me of H.H. H. Holmes in the way, like, you know, he had, like, fantasized and stuff like that. Like, oh, I'm taking her away to, you know, bigger and better things and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I think, um, I, I think, I still think, like, we may not understand it. And I think that's why we're like, oh, man, but there's so many so better many ways. ways. Yeah. We will never understand this mindset because to us, it just seems like a child is thinking these that's things. That's exactly it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? And these childlike impressions of oneself being greater than yeah. I won't get caught. This is easy. I could get away with this, you know, easily. So... That's why one would get so careless. Like, I'm pretty sure Chris Watts, when he was with his other woman, probably didn't use a fake name when he was out on hotels with her. Yeah. You feel yeah, me? Yeah, you're probably right. Anyway, that's just one part of this story. Okay. So around the time that all this was going on, remember that happened in 1857, so was the construction of the Clifton Suspension Bridge. Designed by a 24-year-old Isambard Kingdom Brunel. Construction began in 1836 but was halted in 1843 due to lack of funding. It was finally completed in 1864 and is still used to this day. You have to pay a pound, I think, to, to go over the bridge. Okay. Clifford Bridge? Clifton. Clifton. And this bridge connects... Um, Lee Woods and Bristol to Clifton in Somerset. Okay. Goes right over the it like it's it's huge. It's pretty nice looking. Anyway, unfortunately Brunel died in eighteen fifty nine, five whole years before his bridge actually got finished. So he never got to see what he called his first child, his darling. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. Or did he? What? what? Oh my god, what? <laughs> It's said that a very distinctive top hat wearing figure has been seen walking the nearby paths of Lee Woods and even standing at a viewpoint where Brunel would have stood to oversee the construction. Mm. So that's just that's one awesome. of Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. The next thing is not very cool. Oh. <laughs> this unfortunately is one of the reasons why there are so many suicides in the area. Oh. So for this reason, like there are signs all over the bridge urging people to call for help and not to jump. Oh, like uh, suicide, uh, hot suicide hotline, stuff okay. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Which obviously PSA, we do not condone this type of thing. Yeah. Don't do it, man. Yeah. Just talk to us instead. Yeah. Fuck it. We'll hang out DM with you. Us, absolutely. 
unfortunately, these signs have not deterred everyone. And people have often reported seeing glimpses of dark silhouettes just near the edge of the bridge mm. or the platform or whatever it is. And some have even seen the ghost of a young man in, quote, modern clothing hurrying through the woods in the direction of the bridge. So it's generally believed that he is one of these suicide victims. I see. Two women went camping in Lee Woods one night. Lola and Kate. Okay. Now, I'm not judging them or anything, but they don't look like your typical campers. Like okay. Judging them. I'm not judging them. <laughs> they just don't look like, like when I picture typical campers, I have a, I guess a stereotype in mind and these girls did not fit the bill. Anyway, as night came, they heard what sounded like people walking around their site. Okay. Twigs, snapping, that uh, kind of thing. Yeah. And at one point, like they were obviously getting freaked out and Kate whistled out at one point. The way you would to get people's attention. Like I can't yeah. do it like a wolf whistle, I guess. Okay. And whatever or whoever it was whistled right back. What? Yeah. Soon after this, they found that their hammer was missing. Now, I was kind of like, what the fuck? Why do they have a hammer? Oh, for the tent. For the tent. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt on this. Yeah. Yeah. As you should. You <laughs> sexist pig. <laughs> it's nothing to do with the fact that they're women. Not at all. It was the clothes that they were wearing in the uh... photo that I saw. <laughs> then anyway. Our fashion choices were limited back then. <laughs> no, this is modern. Oh. So around 1 a.m., they heard a child's voice come out of the woods at them. Fuck that. Now, I don't know what it said or anything, but that did it for them. They soon packed up everything and just got the fuck out of there. Oh, yeah. Kids are scary. Oh, yeah. Like, I, I would be gone. The next day, as like, Lola... We better go before it follows us home and we have to raise it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the next day, as Lola was going through her phone... She found what she thought appeared to be a ghostly woman peeking at them from behind a tree. Do you have a picture of it? I do. And I'll show you now in a Fuck second. Fuck yeah. Now, I just want to say, you know me with ghost pictures or like anything, really. Like, I'm very skeptical. I'm like, well, maybe it's the light. Maybe it's this and that. I don't fucking know you. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Who the fuck are you? <laughs> but in saying that, we have actually received a couple of like extremely undeniable pictures, like just in recent days, like we got two or three. Even on nukes, man. That's why I'm just oh, like. Oh, yeah, yeah. But I'm saying oh. like people actually DM'd us these ones. Oh, yeah, yeah. Both of them, we were like, uh, holy fucking shit. Yeah, like my reaction when I see things that are so scary, my eyes water because <laughs> I want to cry. And there's nothing I can do to, to stop no. it. It's like an involuntary thing. The picture on the website that I got this from, like have it circled. I kind of wish they didn't. Because honestly, if they didn't have it circled, I never would have seen it. It looks like a caterpillar. It looks like, to me, it looks like nothing or like a cocoon no it, it to me it literally just looks like a piece of light i wouldn't i could have, i don't see how they could tell it was a woman or a man i'm surprised they went with women one man because it just it just it doesn't like, look like anything it kind of looks like a figure but if i had to call it anything it looks like a cocoon stuck to a tree like a light cocoon yeah, whereas I think it literally just looks like light coming in from through the through the trees. Like that's all it looks like. Yeah. Anyway. That's where Whatever, that you don't think women should go camping. <laughs> just for the record. That is not what I think at all. Now, like I was saying earlier, the whole reason why I was even looking into Lee Woods was because of this next story that I found on weekendweird.com. Um, okay. Tell it to me. Okay. So the headline was witness report. Black eyed adults killed my boyfriend by drowning him in the river. What? Yeah. So this is somebody's personal experience. So I'm not like it. Like any other story. I'm not here to like debunk this or anything. I'm just going to tell it how it is. How she wrote it. So a girl named Esme wrote in to Week and Weird to tell them of her experience. Mm. I wanted to tell you about an adult black-eyed kid's experience I had 
in May 2012. Okay. At the time, me and an ex-boyfriend were living in Lee Woods, just outside Bristol, UK. We had many strange experiences in the three months we were staying in the woods, but this one takes the biscuit. I love it. Yeah, me too. We were leaving to go to work one day around 10.30am and went out onto the towpath at the bottom of the gorge. Right there were four people walking along. The first, a short middle-aged man with a pointed grey beard and completely black eyes. The second, a very tall middle-aged woman with completely black eyes. The third, a teenage boy, roughly 17 or 18, with completely black eyes and a troll-like underbite with what seemed to have fangs protruding upwards. And the fourth was a very beautiful black girl. The rest were extremely pale white. She was around 20 or 21 years old, whose eyes were normal. The strangeness. The path was flooded out. Some puddles on that towpath are up to a foot deep, and they weren't stepping in the puddles without even looking at the ground, which I promise is impossible in flood season, even when you're paying attention to what you're doing. Their skin didn't seem to fit them, and they moved in a very strange way, almost like their limbs were bending in places there are no joints. Whoa. The two older ones looked at us as we said good morning with this really unsettling smile, but the black-eyed adults said nothing back, which is really odd as it's a very friendly city where strangers often talk to each other. Mm. They stared at us and it felt awful. Like they were looking into my brain or something. That's hot. (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) The troll-like teenager looked dead ahead with a really angry expression on his face. And the girl looked happy but vacant. Like she was hypnotized. Just staring into space, walking in front of him. Their clothes were modern. Waterproof clothes, waterproof coats and walking boots. Apart from the girl who wasn't wearing walking boots like she'd intended to come to the woods, she was wearing flat pumps, which nobody in their right mind would wear on that path in flood season. When they had passed us, we looked at each other immediately and said at the same time, that was so weird. (laughs) We both felt the strangeness emanating off of them like a total sense of foreboding. What adds further mystery to this encounter is that exactly one year later, my ex tragically died at age 22 in one of the keys of that same river the towpath follows. It was reported that he had hallucinated a girl called Sally throwing herself in after speaking to her. He could have been saved, but he refused to let anyone rescue him until he had rescued Sally. There were a lot of residential boats on that key, so a lot of people heard him shouting for her and tried to help him. The police looked in the key for his second body for hours after he had died, but concluded she had been a figment of his imagination, brought on by misadventures with drugs. Mm. My voice keeps going. I know this might sound far-fetched, but I've been trying to find out more about these BEKs ever since, ever since, and wanted to share this experience in case it was helpful to anyone And in case you have any information that might be helpful to my search for answers. So at the end of that was a link to the story about the two girls camping. Mm -hmm. But like, what the fuck? Yeah. (laughs) So yeah, anyway, that was the story that led me down this like fucking Lee Woods rabbit hole. Like this was only supposed to be a very brief story that I was going to cover for like our Patreon episodes or something. But then I found all this other bullshit um and then the last thing that i wrote here like is i'm sure there's many more stories from that area and if you or anyone you know has had or heard of strange things from lee woods please do reach out to us and let us know and within like an hour of this we got a message from someone from from bristol saying that they know of a story about black-eyed kids that happened in lee woods but I hadn't even, like, I had just barely finished doing the notes. That part you kept from me. So what's his story? No, no, no. He was just saying, 
like we were talking, he had reached out uh, asking what our show was about. And I was just saying, oh, it's about, you know. No, I know. Like, but he said he had a story. I It was that story. Oh, like I it thought must, a personal it, story. No, no, no. He was just saying that he knows of mm. a story from the area. Okay. So I was like, what the fuck? Like, what are the odds of that? Yeah. Anyway, that's it. Some black eyed kids craziness. And uh, yeah, my my sources this week were somersetlive.co.uk, racks-bristol.co.uk, metro.co.uk, and weekend weird. So yeah. Right on. There you go. Very good. Very good. I thought well, it was it was a surprising story for me in any way. I wasn't expecting to end up covering it really. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah, like, you know, maybe I don't know, man. Fucking crazy. Like that area has true crime, fucking alien shit. That's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. And like the the title in the metro for the two girls that went camping was like Blair Witch, fucking ghost picture, blah blah blah. Yeah. That was a stretch. But the fact that they tried to go camping and like heard weird fucking children's voices and something whistling back at them and just like generally creeping around their site in the middle yeah. of the night. Fuck that. But again, if you've ever been there and have had anything creepy happen, fucking do let us know. Wouldn't be fucking Because you did mention at the beginning of the story that this place is where people go to die. Specifically, I think because of the bridges that being there. Mm. You know? But maybe it's the area. It could be. Could very and well maybe be. Maybe that's why that man killed his wife he really didn't wasn't didn't planning plan to that. yeah fuck maybe exactly and like there was literally just type in lee woods murder into google and there's yeah. so many things i just happened to see that mm-hmm. old ass when i was like let me see yeah so yeah i'm sure there's many more could be a hot spot of weird shit like hellfire club yeah yeah maybe mm-hmm. well yeah so there you go interesting we've been to russia right we've on been to bristol yes <laughs> sounds good yeah um all right creeps if you have any stories that you want to send to us email us at weekly creep at gmail.com and if you follow us talk to us don't be shy check out our patreon there's some extra content for you guys if you don't like waiting for our friday's episode um and that's pretty much it for me Check yeah. me out on TikTok. I'm on TikTok. <laughs> one of my videos got like a thousand views. What? Yeah. Which one? Uh, I mean, I mostly post cats, so it it was one of the cats. How are they doing? Uh, let me find out. It was oh, it was a pork chop where she was sitting in the windowsill, staring. It looked like she's staring at the at the gate that's on the window, and not at outside. I don't understand TikTok, but okay. <laughs> but that one got uh, 1,800 views. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Now, if all those people could just listen to Weekly Creep. <laughs> uh, and you, on TikTok, you are just Weekly Creep, right? I am not. I am Weekly Creep Podcast. Uh, okay. Weekly Creep Podcast mm-hmm. on TikTok. Everywhere else, we're just Weekly Creep if you want weekly creep merch, check out our Redbubble. Like Dulce was saying, if you want to join the Patreon for some a butt ton of extra content. If you're on Twitter and you want to tweet at me and just talk to me and shit like that, you can uh, at me at... What the fuck am I? Let's see. Chicken in the sink. Ah, yeah. You can at me at chicken in the sink. Um, it says at chicken in the SI1. I don't know if that's my actual at, but I am chicken in the sink. And my profile picture is a picture of Kristen Wig eating salad. And looking not happy about it. Yeah. I think that's about it. Uh, if you want, if you follow us on iTunes, please leave us a nice review. Yeah. And rating and all that good stuff. Follow us everywhere. We're going to go watch some Modern Family. (laughs) That's our latest thing. We've been gunning it through Modern Family. And it's fantastic. I think I'm going to make ASMR my sign-off. 
I would just be like, Please don't, because I have to edit this. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.